Hello and welcome to Truer Love Stories, a podcast dedicated to real people wanting to create real love. I'm your host, Taryn Newton-Gill. In each episode, we'll explore the stories of people who are at a crossroads in their love life. I'll help our guests navigate their personal love story by providing them with holistic ways of writing a new, more empowered narrative around love, one that's truly aligned with who they are and what they want. Welcome back to the Truer Love Stories podcast. Today is very special. It's our 12th episode, which means we've been doing this for a full year. And I am so excited to be here and celebrate that today with you. I know so many of you are loyal listeners who tune in each month, and it means so much to me that you are still listening and following and engaging with me about the podcasts and all the guest stories. So thank you so much for helping me to create this community and this space for us to talk about these very real feelings and relationships and situations that don't necessarily always get talked about so openly, right? And, you know, while we're on our own separate love journeys that are unique to us, we also go through a lot of similar things as well. And that's what connects us and helps us learn and grow from this podcast and from other people's stories. And I'm honestly humbled to get to be a part of this transformative space. And I wouldn't have any of that without all of you. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for that. And thank you for being here today. So to celebrate this one year anniversary of ours, this month's episode is with a very special guest. She's a past client of mine and she has such an awesome story. When she first started with me, she was in a very different space relationship-wise, emotionally, mentally, than she is today. And I'm so excited for you to listen and learn why attachment work has been so transformative for her and what she did to move into being more secure with herself and within her new relationship. So I don't want to give too much away because I want you to hear the juicy stuff in the episode in my discussion with her. So without further ado, let's hear her story. Okay, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. We have such a special guest today. Uh, She has been a client of mine for the past year and a half, and I've had the distinct pleasure of watching her growth and transformation, and I thought it would be so awesome to bring her on the show today because I feel like you have just so much to share uh, in your story and so much wisdom that I think our listeners could really gain so much from hearing about your story and your experience. So thank you for taking this time with us today. No, thank you. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) So let's get started. Um, So when you started working with me about a year and a half ago, maybe a little more, you came to me because you had been in a relationship um, for about two years at that point. Exactly. 
Yeah. And you were just feeling very stuck in it, right? There was not much future. So if you want to tell us kind of about the nature of that relationship a bit, and then we can kind of get into how things have changed for you since then. Absolutely. And I really, I came here, I'd actually just ended that relationship. That's right. And so I was coming to you because I wanted to get back into the dating scene. I wanted to find myself. I just loved everything that like you were throwing out there as far as like love, women, you know, self-empowerment. It just all sounded really good. And honestly, I was grieving and felt pretty lost. And this felt like something I could kind of gift myself with and hopefully learn from. So yeah. Also is kind of honestly like an activity, like, because I was looking for things to do. Um, Just like straight up distraction is a great tool for <laughs> 100% breakups. Yes. Um, so that was like the motivating factor. And I like, who knew how much I was like really going to get out of it? Like unbelievable. But yeah, that was kind of the impetus. I had been in a two-year relationship. It was really my only relationship since my divorce. And I have two little kids. Um, when I first met this person, he made it clear that he, um, you know, wasn't interested in really dating someone with kids. That's not like where he was in his life. And at the time, like I just wanted someone to spend time with. I couldn't even conceptualize someone meeting my kids. That wasn't important to me. I just was looking to like fill my time when I wasn't with my kids, honestly. So I knew that the whole time he was super honest and upfront about it. And um, I think we both thought it was going to be really short-lived. And it wasn't. And we ended up being together for a lot longer until I was ready to be done. And but kind of also the strength and courage to like put myself first and realize that like I wanted more, I deserved more, I was ready for more. Right. So in that process, you ended up getting more attached essentially than you had expected to. Totally. Like I think we both thought this was just gonna be fun and short and light and whatever. And we really I mean, we were really in a relationship with each other. We were boyfriend, girlfriend. It just, my kids weren't a part of it. So it kind of felt like I had these like two separate lives for a long time. Right. Right. And can you tell us a little bit more too, because in our work together, I know we focused a lot on the fact that you realized that you had an anxious attachment style and he had an avoidant attachment style. And so if you feel comfortable, could you share with us a little bit of kind of how that dynamic played out in your relationship with him? Yeah. I mean, and I'll just say like, even in addition to the anxious piece, I was like an incredibly dependent on him, on his attention. Uh, Again, like I, I could not be by myself during that time. I did not know how to be by myself. Um, I was very scared of being alone. And so I really like relied on his company. And even if like it was clear he didn't want to hang out, like that's still where I was going to be on the evenings that I didn't have my kids. Um, So meaning you would go be with him even if he was doing something else just to be around him. Yeah. Like there were definitely nights where he was just like doing his own thing, like there, but like on his computer, headphones on, like essentially ignoring me. And that felt better to me at the time than like, being by myself. I think also like, because I knew like we were never going to really be together. Like we didn't really have a future together. There were just also a lot of things that like I didn't bring up. It didn't feel worth it because we weren't really going to be together. But also like, I was afraid that if I brought stuff up that I, you know, didn't like, wasn't happy with or want to change, like he would get mad or be avoidant. And he is like an avoidant person. Um, So it really was like a vicious cycle of like 
me getting anxious, him avoiding me, me feeling like, okay, now's the time to end it. But then he would come around and be more affectionate and want to spend time with me. And we and that, that, yeah, that lasted for two years. <laughs> yeah. Because you wanted to break up with him multiple times before. Yes. And I like tried to and had plans to, and then it like always fell through or right. It would be like a few week period where he was like really great. And it was like, okay, this is worth it. Like this feels good right now and is enough for me right now. And right. And that's a very typical cycle of this dynamic of that anxious avoidant for all our listeners. Just if you see yourself a little bit in this story. I know I had so many relationships like that where I felt like my needs weren't being met. I didn't know to call it that at the time. That needs, what were needs? I mean, exactly. that's like, <laughs> um, but something felt wrong and I would want to leave. Like, okay, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to leave. I'd break up or I'd end it, but then they'd come back or maybe I wouldn't actually end it, but I'd be thinking about it. And then they would show up in just the way that I wanted. And that's the inconsistency piece, right? Is oftentimes it's on their timeline when they feel good, when they feel ready. Um, And again, I don't want to say that avoidant people are bad people. That's not what I'm saying, but they do operate differently and more independently than anxious types. And it can be very activating and triggering for people who are anxious. So apart from the anxious and avoidant piece of it, um, I know that when you came to me, it was really that piece of being alone. Did you feel that before uh, that particular relationship? I just always remember feeling that way. I've never wanted to be alone. I've never been good at like being by myself. I'm a very social person, um, very extroverted. But the interesting thing that I was kind of thinking about before when we were talking about like kind of this anxious, uh, you know, avoidant cycle is that um, even, and now I really think back on it, maybe I wasn't aware at the time, but like I felt very alone in that relationship. Yes. And I think I was just prioritizing like physical, like not being alone physically, even though like mentally, emotionally, I felt so alone. Like so often I literally would be over there crying, but I literally prioritized that over not being in a space physically by myself. Right. Right. You chose being emotionally alone over being physically alone. Yes. Because in a weird way, when you're by yourself in good company, you don't feel alone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I can say every bad relationship I ever was in, that's exactly how I felt. I felt alone because you have the expectation that you're going to feel connected and not alone when you are with someone. And then I almost think feeling alone is the worst thing you can feel. Um, Feeling like you can't go to them. Or I just remember even I would sleep in bed with someone and not even know if I could reach out to them if I wanted to. Yeah. You know, like would I disturb their sleep? Would they be annoyed at me? Yeah. And I think that comes back to when, if you're with someone and everything's on their terms, right. run hot and cold. Meanwhile, I was always ready at the helm, you know, for any time he was ready for affection or right. whatever it was, like I was there. Right. He didn't ever have to worry that you would want to be there and reciprocate when he was Correct. ready. Correct. And that creates honestly an unequal power dynamic at the end of the day because of that, right? When oh, one person knows they can come to you whenever they want, And the other person never knows if you're going to be there. Um, But that's just the playing out of that abandonment wound 
of that anxious attachment, right? That fear of abandonment. So as long as you're even just with me physically, even if I feel alone, I don't feel abandoned and I'm reassured that you're there kind of thing. Definitely. I was like under the impression at that point in my life, like something's better than nothing. Right. And attention's better than no attention. And so someone close to me again, like physically is better than me being in my own space by myself. Right. That, That terrified me to the point that like I would have just been with any, in anyone's company other than my own. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk about that. Cause I know that's one of the very first things we worked on together was how can you learn to not just be alone, but enjoy being yeah. alone. Yes. Right. And so I know that we like started building in like date time with yourself yeah. every week. I made you schedule it in your calendar. Yeah. If you could tell me how it felt first and then kind of how it evolved for you. Yeah, totally. And I'll just say also, like, if this is helpful to anyone listening, like, if I can do it, you can do it. Like, cause I, I remember also like my whole life people have said like, you have to enjoy time yourself. And then especially with my divorce and the fact that I have now my children like with split custody and have more time to myself, people, like, you have to embrace your freedom, like embrace that time. And literally it sounded awful. Like it sounded like the world's worst thing. And I was like, I can't, like, that's just not me. Like, no, that's just not for me. But like, now I like look forward to that time for myself and like yeah. really have embraced it. So I just want to encourage anyone who's in a similar position, like, like work at it because it's so important and will just like serve you so well. So, so what do you love about it now? Like what helped you embrace it? I mean, that was like my, like number, I feel like number one goal or certainly one of my top goals of working with you was like, was to get used to that and like eventually enjoy it. Honestly, if I don't get it, cause now I'm in a relationship. So I do spend a good amount of my time when I'm not with my kids. And actually now when I'm with my kids, with my boyfriend, but I still set aside sorry, time for myself. Like I crave it. If I don't yeah. get it, I like need it now. Um, and I realized like it has nothing to do with the other person. Like I would think, and actually it's like my ex-boyfriend, like I would get so insulted on nights when I was going to go over there and he'd be like, I just need like, tonight's not going to work. I need time to myself. Like I, t- I took it so personally. And now I realize like, I mean, it could have been dealt with in a different way and that's a different story, but like, it's so healthy mm-hmm. to like, want to spend time with you. And like, I just really, really, like I had to like build that foundation of like trust and love with myself. I think to like fully be able to be in a healthy relationship, honestly. And I think that's still like part of a healthy relationship is that we each take time for ourselves separately. Right. Well, it's really what it sounds like you're saying to me is that you didn't have an intimate relationship with yourself before, right? And when we don't have that foundation of an intimate relationship with ourselves, when we're not truly appreciating our own company, you know, and, and kind of being in love with what we want to do when we're by ourselves, then it's so much harder to bring that kind of intimacy to a relationship, right? Because you know that phrase, you can only meet someone as far as they've met themselves. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Someone has to know themselves enough for you to know that piece of them, right? And that's not to say that there aren't some people who, when you're with them, like you understand them more than they understand themselves or you can read them really well, right? But in an intimate space, really, knowing what bothers us, knowing what lights us up, knowing the things that just might create friction in that relationship, right? Or, or kind of our shadows, right? The things in us that maybe we don't want to admit or see. I would imagine that 
just creating that space for yourself. I know that in that time you did self-care stuff. You took baths and, you know, watched your favorite shows and things like that. But you also did a lot of journaling. Yeah. Right. And so yoga. Yeah. Yeah. And so you were getting to know yourself. So it's like, we have to allow that physical space in a way to leave that emotional space for those kinds of things to come to the surface. Exactly. It is. It's like my mental health. Like I got very into like mindfulness and it's like, I wouldn't have had time. I didn't make time for that. And I, yeah, I just, I really had to like learn to enjoy my own company. Like, I think it's like almost like I needed one other person before, but now it's like, I just laugh at my own jokes when I'm by myself. <laughs> I'm funny regardless of who's around. I don't right. need someone else to laugh. I can make jokes <laughs> all day long, you know, or sing a song, whatever it is. Like, <laughs> <laughs> or also it's like have like a dance party to myself. Like, honestly, I don't really want someone else around for that necessarily. Like there are times now for myself that I really treasure. Right. And when I can sing as loud as I want or do whatever dance moves or make whatever jokes or whatever it is, like that I don't have to worry about how someone else is going to react. Right. It's freeing. It really is freeing. Totally totally liberating. And I have such a good image in my head of you just by yourself. Now, whenever you tell me you're alone, I'm going <laughs> to be picturing you. That's typically what's happening. So <laughs> I love that. And I mean, and that's a big piece too. It's getting more like reunited with the inner child within us. The things we used to do as kids that lit us up and were pure activities, right? That we weren't judging ourselves or, you know, you have to sing a certain way or you have to perform. You're just literally enjoying the music and the process. And that in and of itself is so healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I think I used to like, I don't know, be bored, like bored at the thought of being by myself or like need more in life, more to do. And now it's like, no, I'm like so happy to like go to bed early and like have a really good night's sleep or know that, yeah, I'll have like a great bath that night or get some journaling in. Like those things excite me now. Yeah. I'd love that. Okay, I'm interrupting this conversation real quick to let you know that if you're intrigued by what you're hearing in this episode and want to be able to apply the process I use to coach my clients for yourself, then you may be interested in taking my Conscious Communication mini course. This two and a half hour course has four short lessons that go in depth with attachment theory and how to use it to communicate most effectively with each style. This means communicating in a way that will either help you get closer to your partner or help you more quickly determine if they're not the right person for you. What I teach in this short course is the foundation of all my coaching work. It's about how to get your needs met so you can have a more satisfying, secure, and lasting relationship. This course is normally $99, but I'm gifting all my podcast listeners $25 off when you use the code COMMUNICATE at checkout. To receive this special gift, just hop on over to my website at truerlove.com, click on the Love Guidance tab, and scroll down to the Conscious Communication mini course. There is so much information packed into this mini course, so if you're interested in learning how I work with my clients, this is the perfect way to start. All right, now that you have all that info, let's get back to today's episode. And so how do you feel that foundation of that self-love and being able to spend time with yourself has now affected you um, in your dating process and then kind of in this new relationship you're a part of? 
Okay. I mean, I'm sure it's all connected, but I'm thinking less about like spending time to myself and more just my work with you. Like, I feel like you really taught me and like worked with me and like in being a confident dater. Like for me, that maybe is more like related to the anxious piece where I was always trying to please someone else. Like this is the first time in my life where I've really put like myself and my needs first and making sure that like my needs and wants are heard because otherwise like there's no point in entering a relationship with someone if we're not going to meet each other's needs. Right. You know, and I think because now I wasn't, didn't have to be with someone I wanted, I was choosing to be with someone. Right. And I I wanted it to be in a healthy way. Like before I was like, yeah, I just had to be with someone. It didn't matter who it was. I needed that. And now it's like, I have me not needing someone. I think fully changed the way I was able to date because I could be much more selective. Right. And really focus on someone who communicated well with me and, you know, where I wasn't going to feel alone in a relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah, Well, what I'm hearing you say is that it no longer was coming from the wounded place per se, you know, because when we're coming from that really insecure wounded place, we're reactive, we're not responsive. And we're that desperation, that feeling of that willingness to settle is because we're not validating ourselves in our worth and our lovability. We're seeking that validation and reassurance from outside ourselves, right? Yeah. And so what our work did together was it recentered you in really knowing and not just knowing it in an intellectual way, but living in a way that made you feel more confident and worthy, right? 100%. Before, like the fact that someone had said to me, okay, well, like you seem cool, but I don't really want to date someone with kids. And then we were together for two years. Like (laughs) once I started dating again, like confident dating, it was your, you know, like work with Taryn dating. Like it was if anyone said something like that to me, I'd be like, well, goodbye. Like there's, then there's no point in dating you. Like I, I had a lot more sense of self, a sense of self worth. And I knew I deserved a lot more than someone who wasn't really going to be with me. Um, I think I was really nervous before about I'm divorced. I have two kids. Like who's going to want to be with that person. And it's like, well, hold like once I really like found and like loved myself, I was like, of course, someone's going to want to be with that person. Yeah. It kind of reversed that limiting belief in your head. Totally. And you started believing, well, of course, someone's going to want to be with me. Yeah. And, and now you're with a man who has bought your children car seats. <laughs> he did. Yeah. And like makes an effort to see them. Yeah. Week. Yeah. Actually, I think they're like more into each other than we know, but <laughs> um. And it is, it's like the most beautiful thing. And if you'd asked me a few years ago, I wasn't sure that was possible for me. And I, yeah, I think I had to do the work to realize that I deserve it um, and I'm worthy of it and I'm great. And that this isn't like baggage, like this is me. This is me, this is my life. And if someone wants to be a part of it, they're going to love all of it. And right. he certainly does, so. Ugh. I love it. It makes me want to cry. Thank you. Me too. <laughs> um, and so how do you think, like, in terms of the dynamics of your relationship now, like, how this work has affected how you're showing up differently in this relationship versus your old relationship? Yeah. Well, I certainly don't hold back now or keep things in. Like, this is someone I see a future with and want a future with. So when something um, bothers me, like I bring it up. So the communication is just so different. Right. 
Um, and I'm not afraid to bring things up. Like, cause again, I know, like I need that for myself. You have amazed me in the ways that you have now brought things up and that you, you have conviction about it. Like, it's like you, you don't even question anymore. Like this is a need of mine and I need to get it out. Yeah. Like it's almost, I think like hard for you to hold it in now. It really is. My body like forces it out of me. <laughs> yeah. It's like once you open the gateway, it just comes flooding out. And, but I would say, and I'm curious if you agree, like that to me is where the intimacy is created and why you stop feeling alone. Right. A hundred percent. And like, and I think as we've been together, like every conversation feels easier. Like at first, and I think this is just like, because of my past, I was so nervous to bring up anything, little things, like things that now I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe, like are so easy for me to bring up. But that's also because he's continued to show up and he's responded in a way that's made me feel safe bringing stuff up. But, and because it is a need for me. And it's like, if he wasn't going to respond in that way, then that's not going to work for me anymore. Right. I need to be able to express myself. I need to be able to bring things up. Honestly, my favorite conversations that he and I have had are like, are those tough conversations because that's what builds intimacy and that's how you grow. Oh yeah. Right. Sometimes it feels so scary and then you come out of it actually feeling better and good. And that's always what I tell people is the gauge is like, if you can confide in someone and actually feel better And that doesn't mean there's never friction or tension or anything, but that you can have a conversation where you feel better and then you see them actually changing the energy and the relationship from that conversation, right? Like something shifts when it's right and you feel closer and then it encourages you to do it again. And by you bringing it up and it feeling good, it's giving them permission to also bring it up and feel good. And, and that's like an amazing feeling of trust. Like to me, that is the magic of truer love. (laughs) That very real raw feeling of like, oh my God, I just shared myself with this person and they're still here and they're okay. And they actually have told me that they're glad I said that. Yes. Yes. And he has said that. And yes, a hundred percent. I think also like with my work, with you, it's made me realize too, assumptions are like the worst thing. (laughs) But you just truly do not know what someone's look meant or what their words meant or whatever it is, like, unless you ask. And I've been so surprised, honestly, by conversations with him. And like, while I was dating would just like, I think that was a big thing for me was like letting go of assumptions and just putting it out there. Like with dating, it really resonated with me with like, if someone wasn't getting back to me or or even if it's like, okay, like I'd like to see them again. So I'm just going to let them know that. Like, again, the person like I would want to be with appreciates that. Right, right. Because the people who don't are typically avoidant and I'm trying to avoid those people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to avoid the avoidance. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But like not making assumptions has been very helpful to me. I love that. That's such a good one and such a big tip of mine. And um, I'm glad that it like made a difference in your life. Uh, I feel like my purpose in life has been fulfilled just by you saying that. (laughs) It has. (laughs) Um, What would you say? I I heard a few different actually kind of um, tips in a way that we could give people that have made a difference in your communication. It sounds like one of them is ask rather than assume. Absolutely. And what would you say one or two more? would be in terms of dating 
or like just relationships in general? Just in relationships in general, like the communication piece. Yeah, I think definitely do not make assumptions. And I think that just pairs with like, if something is bothering you, bring it up. Because I think otherwise, like it it harbors resentment. You're holding on to it. Like you don't know other ways that it's going to come out. And I think sometimes then it ends up becoming much bigger or about something else. Do you have any tips for how you bring something up? Well, I try to not be reactive. And actually, this is something that I've really like worked on and and, like been a growing spot for me is um, because I get like so anxious, I want to just get things off my chest. And I find like I don't always bring it up in the best way. So I've really tried to like take time to process or like the thing I'm like and like immediately feel inclined to say isn't like the root of the issue. So it's like, I'll bring something up right away. We kind of talk about it. And then it, I don't feel better because I realized later, like that wasn't actually the issue for me. That was like the surface thing. But now it's like, and he's over. He doesn't want to talk about it anymore. And I'm like, well, hold on. Like, <laughs> I that wasn't really it. Like, So I think that's been like a big learning curve for me is like taking the time to process and actually dig a little deeper. Like that's, and that's also like where that time to myself is so important. Cause then I can journal about it. I can think it through like, um, and realize like, actually that surface thing, like here's where that was coming from. So like, that's really what I want to bring up. Right. The raw spot that we talk about. Exactly. Cause I think also like some of that surface stuff and if it feels like a lot, it's like, I get like, that gets hard too, for the other person to just keep hearing stuff or feel like you're just complaining. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to like get to the root of things more and discuss those. Cause like, those are like. The, the real conversations I want to be having. Right. More intentional with, because a lot of the, the time when we're not intentional and we're reactive, we get caught up in the details mm-hmm. of the circumstance mm-hmm. rather than, like you're saying, dealing with the root emotion that maybe multiple circumstances are coming from. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you can really take the time to realize, and that really comes back to having an understanding of attachment and needs because you know that when you have an anxious attachment style, most of the time, the root of whatever you're feeling comes back to feeling like that person's going to abandon you or reject you or, you know, something about your feeling of self-worth there. And when you can really put your finger on that and communicate it, maybe you can tell us about the difference in energy between when you're coming from that more honest root place Yeah. I was just going to say that because I thought of like a concrete example. Like I know earlier on in my relationship with my now boyfriend, like he would bring stuff up about my ex-husband and I would just immediately get defensive and honestly like avoidant. Like I wouldn't want to talk about it. I like, I felt like I just didn't like that he was bringing it up and like would kind of get like edgy about it or whatever. And then finally we had like a real conversation about it. And I realized that like I was very afraid that like the stuff with my ex-husband was gonna like be too much for him and he would leave me over it Mm -hmm. and like since we had that conversation and he assured me you know and has continued to reassure me like that he's not like he's actually being inquisitive so that he can learn more and like be a part of my life and you know all of that like now it's like I don't feel that way when he brings stuff up about me. Right. Like, I know he's not trying to like dig at me or whatever it is. Like he's coming from a, actually a really good place. Like, and again, I was making an assumption there. Right. Right. And that assumption came from that fear that he was going to leave you. Right. And it's so amazing when you can 
identify what the actual feeling is. Cause I imagine he, it's like, it softens him. I would imagine when he realizes that you're afraid of that. Cause he probably didn't even think, you know, thinking, talking about assumptions, it probably didn't cross his mind that that was a fear of yours. Right. And like, and it kind of came out with this big conversation about it. It was like, he actually like, you know, saw a future with me and wanted that. Like it was the opposite. It was like, because he saw that with me, like he want, he wanted to like be a part of this, be a part of the conversation and talk about it. And I was in my own mind seeing it as like, because he's bringing this up, he doesn't actually want to be with me. Like it's too much. That was one of your lingering limiting beliefs that are that actually an overarching limiting belief of yours of I'm a woman with these kids and who's going to want me. Right. And so it was still playing out even as you got to know him, but he was able to reassure you and come at you in a different way. And that's the thing is that when we can really identify what that need is more clearly, we can speak to it more honestly in a way that people are more receptive to, I think, and more willing to hear because it's not defensive and it's not accusatory. It's just honest. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So those are two ask instead of assume and bring things up. And, but I I would say bring things up, like process, like be like thoughtful and not reactive. I know it's really hard. It's hard for me. (laughs) Yes. That's the three parts. It's like, don't assume, ask, then bring stuff up and process. Yeah. Or rather process and then bring things up. Yeah. Cause I think like, I forget this. Like I feel so much and so hard that like, and I feel like I'm often with guys that don't it like express themselves emotionally like I do. And I mean, we can get into, you know, it's like a whole other topic for men and women and how we're taught to express anyway. But yeah. I forget that like men feel too, you know, and like, just because they're not saying something doesn't mean they're not feeling it or feel right. the same way that I do or yeah. And it's um, so true. Yeah. And I actually learned this from a guy I went on a few dates with who was avoidant and ended up ghosting me, but I did learn from him. Um, He taught me like the acronym WAIT, like, why am I talking? And I actually think about that all the time. Like I use that now. Um, So just trying to be more like, especially with um, any confrontation, like, or conflict, I I try and use that again. Like, do I fully know, like, what I really want to get out of this and like what I want to express. And if not, like if I'm just feeling upset, like take a beat to think about um, why and like what I really want to get at, you know, when I broach this conversation with someone. And also I think, especially if you're in a relationship with someone, like assume best intentions. That's a very secure thing to do is assume the best intentions. Um you're like moving into the goals. I know. Well, actually, and another secure thing I was actually observing in the way you were talking about all this is what I think you have really learned to do well is the self-soothing piece. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. that's the thing is people who are, you know, raised anxious, programmed to be anxious, we don't learn how to self-soothe because we're so caught up in what the other person thinks of us that we look to them to soothe us, right? And that's still a natural piece of who we are. But if we can really identify the times when it's necessary that we go to that other person, and that's the piece of who we choose, right? Of finding someone who will be willing to reassure us when we need it. Yeah. But in addition to that piece, there's also the piece of, well, do I actually need the reassurance from someone else right now? Or could this be a moment for me to self-soothe? 
yeah, that is so key. And also, right, because like, especially as an anxious person, like not just anxiously attached, but like anxious in all things in life, like um, normal, like often if I'm like in it, like in an anxious state, like kind of nothing anyone's going to say is going to make me feel better probably. And I have been so reliant on others that like, I have found that that's so important that I soothe myself first because I often end up getting dis- more disappointed or angry or whatever it is when I go to that other person and they're not able to provide for me what I need, but like right. it's kind of a lose-lose for them, honestly, in that moment when I'm like on edge. Absolutely. And so now it's like, you can say to yourself, wait, why am I talking? And let me go process and really trust myself yeah. to know what I need. It doesn't mean that you don't still go to that person for reassurance, but there's more clarity around what is it I'm asking for? Yeah. You know, how can I be intentional with what I'm asking for, with what I'm saying? Um, because that's really what happens is that when we're reactive, it's because we're used to processing out loud. Yeah. And I know a lot of people process out loud and that's not to say it's a bad thing. I think that if you're with a partner, I mean, I definitely process out loud a lot with my husband, but there are times when I'm like, maybe I don't need to process this out loud with him. Maybe it's okay that I take a step back. And that's where friends can be really useful when they're the right friends, right? Um, Because there are some friends who are just going to want to offer opinions and give you advice. But if you know that what you really need at that moment is to process, then it's important that you're going to someone who maybe just is okay listening, right? Um, Or that's where the journaling piece comes in or so many different types of exercises. Exactly. I also like started seeing a therapist recently. I mean, I have like my whole life, but hadn't been for a bit and now am. And I realized also, right. It's like not everything has to be shared with my partner. Mm -hmm. Like there are things that I can process on my own, you know, like he doesn't have to, he's not my go-to for everything. At least for me, I have found like that doesn't work best in my life. Right. Well, it is a lot of pressure to put on one person, right? And the thing is, our partners are people who we want to live our lives with and that we want them to be a source of support and joy and fun, et cetera, et cetera. But we don't expect every friend to be everything to us, right? Like we diversify our friends, even with our parents, right? Like I know I go to my mom for some things and I go to my dad for other things, right? And so it is kind of realizing if my partner's giving me enough, you know, if they're giving me enough in general, but there are going to be these little pieces that I go to to other people for, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, Um, or to myself for, or to myself, like I am, I can be my own resource. Exactly. And yeah, I do think like bringing it back full circle that like, that's the root of it all. Um, And I think it's so easy to kind of write off self-love as this kind of floofy, trite platitude that we talk about. Like, you have to love yourself. Um, But there's so much truth to it. It it Um, has changed my life. Like, it has truly changed my life. Um, It's changed the, like, how I show up in relationships. I truly believe, like, my work with you is why... I'm able to be in like a secure and happy relationship now. So I just want to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I like, yeah, like can't state it enough. I mean, this is why I do this work because 
it, it truly is life-changing when you realize like where all of these feelings were coming from and how we were dealing with things from this more wounded place, this more insecure place. And that's not to say that you're never going to feel anxious again, right? Or that you're not going to feel triggered. Like, you know that that's how you've been built. That's how you've been programmed. You know to expect it. But like what you've done is what I talk about is integrating it, right? Like you've, you're living it. You've learned what it is, how it works intellectually, but then you're also like actually living it in your own life, noticing like what triggers you, what upsets you, right? Like you're so clear on the things that get you activated. And then you now have these strategies you lean on to help you move through it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a big part of it too, is realizing that like when I am triggered or feeling anxious or on edge, like that also doesn't have to mean something about my relationship with my boyfriend. I always have read into things in the past and like, uh, like my intuition, I'm feeling it, like something must be off. And it's like, no, I, that doesn't mean that. Like, that just means I've been triggered by something and I'm feeling anxious. Um, yeah, well, it, it's your intuition telling you, you feel unsafe, but just because you feel unsafe doesn't mean that's reality, right? It doesn't right. mean it's the truth of what's happening. It means it might be worth bringing up or not, depending on if it's something you can soothe yourself with. Right. It's definitely, to me, it's intuitive in the sense that when we're anxious, it means we something needs to be addressed. Yes. Right? I realize like when I am like, something's made me anxious, like then everything else becomes a bigger deal. Right. And it's like, it doesn't necessarily mean other things are a bigger deal or like right. Are, right. are actually upsetting or whatever it is. So yeah, I think just being coming, yeah, more self-aware, more comfortable with myself um, and more able to like deal with myself internally has, I mean, I, I hope it's made me a pretty good girlfriend <laughs> partner. I mean, you're still together. So I think that's something. Yeah. <laughs> and you always look like you're having so much fun together. Like when you post on Instagram and stuff. Um, we do. We have a lot of fun together. Yeah. That's so good. That's so great. It makes me so happy. Uh, yeah. Well, I have really enjoyed like watching this transformation in you. Uh, I really feel like you really did a 180 from where we started and where you are now. And of course, there's always more growth. There's always more to continue. But I think that you, I really wanted to interview you for the podcast because I really wanted to show people that there's hope. You know, I think you are such a good example of giving people hope that things can change and that you have that ability within yourself, you know, to start that journey. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. I mean, I really credit you like, and the work that we've done together, but like it, it, and I do feel like it's like a story of hope and transformation, but also like change. Like I had to make real changes. I had to work at it. Like I've like, at first, when I met my boyfriend, I was like, is it too good to be true? You know, and I still kind of had that limiting belief a little bit. And now I've realized like, no, like I've put in the work to deserve 100%. this caliber of relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You showed up for yourself, basically. I mean, exactly. I, I would always call you my like A plus student because you would <laughs> always do the coaching work I gave you each week and you'd show up weekly to every single session. And anytime I had a podcast or a workshop or anything, you were there, like you really fully committed yourself. And it was great for me as a coach to see that and to let people know that you can do this at your own pace, but just know that the more you put in with anything, 
the more you're going to get out of it and the quicker you're going to see those results, you know? Exactly. Like literally like the year of working with you, like I would consider that like, that was like my hobby. I put so much energy and attention into Mm. the work that we were doing together. Yeah. And now it's kind of carried on into your relationship. And, and that's exactly it is that when we put that kind of care and attention into ourselves, our level of self-worth and self-love, like our feelings of confidence raise because our subconscious is seeing like, oh, like this, this is fulfilling for me. And I deserve this. Like the more you do it, the more you believe that you're worth it. And it's like this loop that just keeps happening, you know, with Yeah. And so I feel like you're such a great example of that. And so, you know, I like to think I was your guide, but my fairy godmother. uh, Okay. I'll take that too. (laughs) I've I've always wanted to be a fairy godmother, except, except that I didn't just have a magic wand, right? I had a lot of really good information and, and you took it and ran with it and you did the work ultimately, you know? And I just reflected back to you that you had the ability to do it, you know? So, ah, I'm so happy about it. Love this love story. (laughs) I love this love story. Um, Well, thank you so much for sharing it with me and our listeners today. Um, And I hope everyone that you can take this and just remember it's possible for you if this is what you want. Even if it's not about being with someone else, it's just the loving yourself changes everything. Yes, 100%. And I really appreciate you having me and working with me. Thank you. Um, You're so welcome. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Truer Love Stories podcast. If you got a lot out of our episode today, I want to invite you to have your own clarity call with me, where we'll spend the time talking just like my guest and I did getting you clear on what's blocking you from having the relationship you really want. All you have to do to book this free call is hop over to my website at truerlove.com and click on the love guidance tab. And you'll see the option to book your clarity call right there at the top. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much if you could rate and review it on Spotify or Apple podcasts and follow me on Instagram at underscore truer love underscore to stay up to date with tons of love and attachment information, resources, and offerings. You can also take my free attachment quiz that you can find both on my website and my Instagram page. All right. I think that's all for now. So until next time, stay true to yourself and talk to you soon.